Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and once again, welcome to Rule the Roost podcast. I am your host, Mr. Tetrunk. Um, I'm joined as ever by Raji Baines. How you doing, Raji, mate? I'm not too bad yourself, mate. Yeah, all good, thank you, all good. Um, yeah, well, let's, uh, let's dive into what's been a pretty eventful week for... Actually, no, no before we talk football, um, it's Monday and I don't have a true detective to watch. I feel that that's probably worse than the complete collapse of our season over the course of a week, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I just want to be looking at Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey being chased by spaghetti monsters <laughs> in, in Louisiana. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's, yeah, I, I noticed your tweet the other day, um, which I found quite funny. Um, True Detective has put me off even more um, about wanting Louisiana. to... Yeah, even yeah. <laughs> even though the idea of a brown atheist there probably wasn't the best anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think I'd make it out alive going around with you know my camera around me around my neck and a copy of the God Delusion by Richard Dawkins under my right arm. <laughs> Just, I don't think they take to me out kindly. But I, I, I do have a confession to make. I'm I'm cheating on you at the minute with True Detective because um, I've just started rewatching it with my parents. So I watched uh, episode one again last night, so I'm, I'm back on it, so I'll be watching it again. That, that, I can imagine that would be quite good, because you'll pick up on all the little bits that uh, you probably didn't see the first time. Um, so I'll, I'll let you off the hook on that one. Um, but uh, yeah, football. So as I said, our season has pretty much collapsed in the... Well, our season's collapsed over the course of a season, but in terms of... The kind of the, the coffin nails were firmly hammered home last week, losing not only to Benfica in pretty kind of convincing fashion, also losing to another horrible red scammy team yesterday. Um, let's start with Benfica. We are going to talk to Alfredo again a bit later on, but it uh, it, was, it was a pretty painful. Pretty painful watch, as far as I'm concerned, mate. I mean, there was a there was a really good uh, article written by a journal in the Evening Standard called Tom Colomossi, Tom Colossomy, I don't know. Colostomy. You know, Colostomy. <laughs> Tom Colostomy just carries his urine around in a bag all day. Um, if, but he yeah, does, he, if he does buy any, like, horrible, where he does have a, a urine or, like, bowel problem and he does have a colostomy bag, we apologise sincerely. Quite good for a journal to be called colostomy, wouldn't it? Because they're all full of shit, eh? Eh? 
Well, I think it's more about piss, isn't it, colostomy, so it doesn't really work. But... Is that not a catheter? Uh, What's a catheter? Catheter's the thing you have when you're in a hospital bed, isn't it? Oh, I think that's, that's the thing no, they I stick up your knob, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's the actual tube. All oh, right. But uh, less about that. Um, more about... Well, essentially, yeah, Tom Colostomy Bag, um, he said in a finely worded article in the Evening Standard that essentially this should be confirmation to the Spurs fans that they just are not ready for the top four now, that for all this clamouring for the top four, we should be happy to have the Europa League because essentially Benfica are an average to low-end Champions League team. <clears throat> you know, they got knocked out in the group stages, albeit, you know, debatably in an unlucky circumstance. If you were to look at them, you wouldn't think they're a side that are going to win the Champions League. Um, however, the class between the two teams on the night was horrible. Like, it was so horribly clear. I almost felt like, even though the scoreline wasn't as emphatic, I almost feel like they bossed us more than the likes of Man City, Liverpool and Chelsea have this year. Um, purely because of the, their like their ruthless organisation and their kind of their just their precision counter attack play. It was just it was a it was a joy, especially that first goal from a neutral's perspective, or at least from a Benfica's fan's perspective, it was a joy to behold. It was an absolutely fantastic counter attack. It was incisive. It, it was just brilliant. Um, I mean would would you agree with that, mate? The fact that we have been just completely put to shame by a low-end to average Champions League team um, shows that we really aren't ready for the top four anymore. I think the thing that scared me the most was just the fact that, as you said, they're not entirely special. This isn't the best Benfica side that there's ever been. But all there were were, were more organised than us. And through that, through not specifically having better personnel than us in every position, but by purely knowing what what their roles were on the field and the f- the football they were to be playing, the identity they had with the manager that's been there for a long time and he's managed to build that side in in his own image and what have you was was the thing that won it for him really. I mean, every goal they scored was through prior planning and both the goals from set pieces were straight off the training ground to use a cliche. The fact that we'd not planned enough to pick up the tallest centre back on the field. Well I think him. he's what is he? he's eight foot three, isn't he? He's he's about three foot shorter than the spaghetti monster injury detective. <laughs> Lu, is that Lu Zhao? Lu Xiao, yeah. I'm Lu sure Zhao. Alfredo will tell us how to pronounce it better later. Mate, mate, you my fucking my Portuguese pronunciation is second to none. Obrigado. Hey, muito obrigado. Pigeon Portuguese what you speak. Mate, it's fucking brilliant. Better than yours, mate. Better than yours. I don't try. Now, the only uh, thing that I know about sorry, Portugal piri, is piri, piri. Piri. Yeah, piri, 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 piri Nandos. Nandos. Yeah. <laughs> How did oh, you know God. I was going to go there? Because you're Alf Garnet, mate. That's the one. <laughs> Who's Alf Garnet? Oh, dear God. Well, no, it's before my time as well. Just have a look. You'll have a look. I've got, it's like some old... When it was acceptable for even the BBC to be racist, I think they had this old... Uh, is it like the Black and White Minstrel show? It's from a no kind of it was I think it was a bit of a parody. It's from a show called Till Death Do Us Part, and Alf Garnet was like this old racist West Ham fan um, who yeah he I didn't like that much then. No, he didn't like the Asians moving in next door and all that kind of shit. You know that that sort of thing. I think it was so. But the the actual the bloke that played him um, Warren Mitchell. He was uh, he was a Spurs fan. 
in real life. So there you go. That's a nice history lesson there, Jack. There you go, mate. There you go. Cool story, and, uh, bro. Yeah, you should like him. He's, he's an atheist and a humanist, according to uh, according to Wikipedia as well. I thought this was all coming straight off your head. I didn't know you were there with your, your Google in the background going away. No, I just wanted to have a look. I was I was sure it was Warren Mitchell, but I just wanted to double check. See, that's me. I'm full of self doubt, Raj. Don't don't you know, mate? Don't pick on me about it. But uh, Benfica, can we turn it around, mate? Any hope in hell? Uh, I'd say not. No, um, I, they're far too organised and they've got too big a lead now. I think they'll they'll be happy to sit on it. I mean, we've seen almost bigger bigger scorelines be overturned. Uh, Inter Milan almost did it to us last season. Of course, they were at home and we were we were fucking shocking in that second leg. But um, I don't imagine so. I think they'll be quite happy to just um, to just sit and. Uh, and suckers in. If they score one goal early, early doors, then I think our heads will probably drop um, more than anything else. But um, you, you can never say never. But um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put money on it. Okay. Well, we'll talk about this a little bit more, a little bit more in depth um, with Alfredo because he'll be on the show. Yeah, we'll get to. Um, we'll, we'll discuss all the uh, the business with the the managers and what have you and. Um, and all that business, so he'll give us a bit more of an idea of just how much of a second string shit Benfica side made us look amateur as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> um, now there was a there was another game yesterday. It, it wasn't a very nice game. Um, it's not against a very nice team. I know. I hit uh, Man United and Liverpool. Um, it was a horrible game. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was trying uh, to make a joke. Definitely. I know you are. I just I can't. I can't. I can't. Honestly, right, I, I don't want to get all like I don't want to get too deeply into it and stuff. But just this kind of the the media's glossing over of Luis Suarez's hate crime is shocking. See, seeing that like seeing that build yesterday, hearing the Sky Sports commentators saying Luis Suarez getting one over his old nemesis. Now, it's not his old nemesis. It's not like it's not like they they had a long running rivalry like Keenan Vieira. His nemesis is the man that he racially assaulted twelve times on a football pitch. Like it's not Evers not his nemesis. Evers a victim. Like, and I, I just I, I hate seeing that focus. I hate seeing that Luis Suarez's goofy donkey like smiling face on the pitch at Old Trafford. Like, and everyone sort of lauding him. Like the man doesn't deserve it. He's scum. Like he just he does not deserve to have the the for his footballing ability yes he deserves applauders but that's it like cut it short there don't build all this stuff up around i don't know if you saw as well in the lead up to the game like i don't know what his pr people are thinking but did you see wayne rooney's comments on it saying like me and louis we're like peas in a pod you know we're from the same walk of life we have similar characters it's like i bet i bet your teammate patrice loves you for saying that wayne like you know but Whatever. That's that's another issue for another day. Arsenal. We lost to Arsenal. And it was a fucking brilliant fucking goal from Thomas Rosicki. That was Rosicki. Rosicki. I'm not. I'm not doing too well with my pronunciation these past few weeks, am I, Raj? But um, it was an absolutely fantastic goal by him. Um, but then what followed was, I think, <laughs> what the Fighting Cocker have uh, dubbed Tottenham season as all four play, no fuck pretty much, which is what we did a lot of, wasn't it, again yesterday? 
despite bossing possession, Arsenal never really looked that uncomfortable. No, I think um, I think Mourinho pretty much summed it up the other week when he said that um, Tottenham can have a lot of the ball without actually doing anything with it. And he said um, quite candidly in his post-match interview, he, he came out and just said that, you know, they were quite happy for us to have all the possession in that match, and especially in periods in the second half. And they weren't too concerned with what we'd do with it because they, they were never scared. There's never any, there's no cutting there from us. There's, <clears throat> excuse me, there's no, um, there's no real chance that we're going to, um, there's no penetration, there's nothing there. If Adi Bayard isn't making chances and, and scoring on his own, then there's nothing really there. I mean, the only thing we can rely on is Christian Eriksen from set pieces and he wasn't at his, at his very best on the weekend. So there wasn't, um, there wasn't a chance of that either, I think. It's been because we because we looked quite comfortable because we flattered to deceive for long periods of it. Um, I think there's what I deem to be some people have misconstrued it as being um, a well planned game from us that we'd we'd organised well and that we'd decided that that's the way in which we're going to play against Arsenal. But it was from from Wenger's perspective, it was almost exactly the same game plan that he'd used in the the first game we played in the league earlier that season. Um, when he did exactly the same, they scored. They, they scored fairly early on, and then they were happy to just let us have the majority of the possession and defend ten meters from their own box because they were they were well aware that they've got the defensive uh, organisation to keep us at bay. And far from a, a couple of what were really half chances from us, we didn't create anything to worry them. And throughout the second half, he did exactly the same as he did in the home game for them, and he. Um, he took off midfielders and he, he started replacing them with defenders to the point where they finished with the, uh, like a back seven or eight by the end of the game. But he'd got his goal and he'd, he'd got his three points by that point and there was there was no there was no chance we were going to break that down. There was no chance we were going to score. And it was almost as if we played into their hands rather than we outthought them to any any sort of degree. I don't think there's there's any chance that Tim Shearer would manage to you know beat. Arsene Wenger on the tactics board or anything. I don't think there's there's any chance of that. So, um, um, you know, it was it was abject at best because I was sat, I actually sat and I watched it in the office and I sat and watched it in the office next to a Man United fan who said about three words all day because he'd been pissed off about the the match before, and a Liverpool fan who wouldn't shut up because he thinks his team's going to win the title. And um, you know, the Liverpool fan was saying to me, "Oh, you, look how far you've come." Like, look how far you've dropped, even since from a couple of seasons ago. Look how much we've we've overtaken you and what have you. And from that performance, there was there was really nothing that I could defend it with. It's uh, yeah, it's pretty depressing, isn't it? I I hate seeing how smug how smug the Liverpool fans have become. I did like your uh, your midweek as well. Um, when the going gets tough. The Addy gets going, which was... I think good. I texted you that, didn't I? It was yeah. just that, it's that Benfica game when we went 3-1 down. Addy Bayard just... He, he does this in patches of games. He just stops. Even in the, the Newcastle game where we spanked him, between the um, the um his goals, he just... He, he, he almost stopped. There was, um, there was a lack of effort there that, that was just so apparent. It was... Um, it's quite shocking, really. But when he wants to turn it on, he does, obviously, because you can't fault that he's, he's carried us since Sherwood's come in. I mean, the statistics 
are quite alarming as to how as to how much we're reliant on him. I mean, I've, I've quoted them before that they're significantly higher than Bales were last season, and that's saying something. So uh, it does seem to be that point, and I think on the fighting cock as well, they were asked that question, weren't they? If uh, they had the decision to sell him this summer, whether they would or wouldn't, and I think um, if we were to be to be offered around ten million pounds. I think that would recoup us everything that we've paid him in, in wages and the charitable donations we've made to his, his causes in Togo. And I think we'd I think um it'd probably be the best decision for us to let him go in the summer. I, I yeah, like you say, I think it's pretty much definitely gonna happen. Um if we if someone like you can see someone like Monaco coming in for him, offering what, six, seven, eight million pounds, I'd probably take yeah. that. Them or someone like Besiktas would happily spend ten million pounds on on someone of, of his uh, of his ability. I mean, he's thirty years old, so he's not past it at all yet. He's, he's still got two, three, four, maybe good seasons in him if he wants to. And um, they'd 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 pay double what we're paying him. The uh, a, another thing I wanted to uh, to highlight from the game was Nasser Chadley playing as a number ten and Christian Eriksen playing out on the wing. I mean, before we lay into Sherwood too much about that, because I really would like to, and I, I really was on the day and pretty much today all throughout work when I was speaking to people about it. Can you? Is there any conceivable method to that madness whatsoever? Um, to play think, devil's advocate? Because I, 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 honestly... I do think there is a redeeming feature to it because that was probably... And Chadley's one of his best games for us. Um, he looked very good. Um, there was some very eye-catching play from him in, in certain patches, and he's the one that had the best chances for him. And I think um, the response to some of the ones he's had, where the Arsenal players have thrown themselves in front of him, the two, I think that the first one, it's come to him so quickly, he's not managed to control it. Obviously, a top-class player would have controlled that and scored first time, I'd imagine. But, you know, it's come to him so quickly that it's slightly harsh to imagine that he'd he'd do anything other than try and take a first touch where he has. The second one where he's he's managed to take a few touches and, and round the keeper and then he's, I think it's Koscielny and Mertesacker that have just absolutely thrown themselves in front of it. And other than, you know, have the quickness of mind to put a little loft on it, chip it a little bit... Um, which you know, again, a top class player should have done. He didn't do much wrong, and it was essentially it was, it was good defending. So um, I, I didn't have problems with his performance whatsoever. I think he was he was actually really good. He was one of the the few redeeming features, as I say, of of that performance. However, Christian Eriksen on the left wing has been a something that's continued with Eric with um, Sherwood. Sorry, uh, something that he's wanted in um, in his system, and it's it's. It's something that I'm I'm beginning to run out of right wing politicians because I repeat the same joke every week every time that he plays. On the yeah, left wing. it was a brilliant that wasn't it? Uh, Christian Eriksen looks as comfortable <laughs> comfortable on the left wing as Nigel Farage. So yeah. I was. <laughs> I've I've already been through you know Thatcher and and Hitler. I've used them before, but he's playing there so often that I'm going to ring run out of right wing politicians now. So I'd, he for me he's. He's one of those players that we've got to to base the side around and and allow him to flourish and play in his best position because to to put him in a position where he's not as effective as he may be and then blame him for not having as effective a game as we want him to some have is is very odd. It's like it's it's me saying to you, 
um, I want you to be a theoretical physician for the day and then come at you and barrage you afterwards for not being able to do it properly because it's not your job, it's not what you're supposed to do, it's not what you're good at. I'm not sure what you are good at, but it's not... No, neither, neither do I, mate. It's, you know, it's, it's not your forte, is it? So, I mean, it's, it's a very odd decision. They did, between them, uh, float in and out, but it, it, with Ericsson out there, it, it kind of handicaps what Danny Rose is able to do as well, because... Rose was Rose was actually outshone yesterday by Carl Norton. Which Carl Norton is, had a very good game. Well, this is the thing. Carl Norton did have a very good game, but Lucas Podolski also had a very bad one. Um, Carl Norton, he can only like, beat what's put in front of him, essentially, which he did pretty much any time somebody ran at him. And he was actually getting forward a lot more than, than he previously had. But I think that almost feeds into what I was saying before about Arsenal being happy about us having possession. But Danny Rose, the thing that, um, annoyed me about his performance was just how many times he fell over and clutching his face, clutching his leg. The, the theatrics from him when he wasn't actually injured was um, was quite annoying for me. It was um, he was getting on my tits quite some, and I, I just wanted him to actually stand up and be counted for a little bit because I don't think he's he's had a good game in a derby yet because uh, he's had that one go- one that one game where he's got the one goal, which admittedly was fucking fantastic. Um, but he got taken off at half-time because he did chuff all else. So um, he, he was slightly concerning. And uh, given how much we uh, we elevated how his worth while he was injured for him to come back and be, you know, slightly uh, disappointing in his performances, it's not been great. No, it was just, it was, it's never nice, mate. It's never nice to... It doesn't matter how we've played and, you know, whether we can take any positives from this. Oh, you know, Arsenal had to perform a record amount of clearances for a Premier League team this season, which I think was about 62 or something like that. And, you know, they hardly had any shots and this and that. Ultimately, they won at White Hart Lane and it's gutting. It's gutting seeing them do that. It's horrible seeing their official Twitter account Pulling us, you know, the North London is red. I don't know if you saw the tweet today they put out when it was like, uh, you know, so did anyone get up to much this weekend? And there's a picture of all the players celebrating at White Hart Lane. All that kind of stuff. It's horrible. It just, it makes it worse for the fact that they try and do this whole, oh, you know, we don't care about Tottenham anymore. It's more, you know, even FK said it on the show last week. Oh, it's a bigger game for you than it is for us. It's, that is total bollocks. Like, they might even try and convince themselves that that's the case. But come match day, it means as much to them as it does to us. And they have, they got the bragging rights, mate. They played them three times this season. They've beaten us all three times. That's fucking miserable. Like it's like the old days again. To be honest, I say old days. I'm only talking like five, six years ago. I think that was the um, first time in seven years they've beaten us at home, isn't it? Yeah. It's neither just, it's, neither Redknapp or AVB lost to lost them at home, and uh, Sherwood's managed to overcome that. It's horrible, isn't it, mate? But uh, yeah, and as well, like. This whole, oh God, people have been going a bit over the top about Chesney's selfie on the pitch saying he should, you know, be banned. He We're could have... In- fucking lapping it up if it was over around. Oh, exactly. He could have incited violence. He could have- The fucking North London derby incites violence as it is. You know, if people can't get over the fact that an Arsenal player is happy to have won at Tottenham, then they don't understand the derby. Like, you know, you've got to want 
their players to care about beating us. You know, it's an in, it's more of an insult if they just walked off the pitch, you know, with a casual handshake. Seeing them celebrate the way they did shows you that they still see us as their rival and they still care about the game. For as fucking annoying as it is, and as muggy as I think Chesney is for doing that, like, you know, genuinely, like, like he, don't get me wrong, like, I think the bloke is an utter twat for doing that. Yeah. And I think he has possibly the most punchable face since Robert Perez for Arsenal. Like, he's just... Oh, oh, God, I cannot stand the bloke. But just feel sorry for him. Like, his, his instant thought was, let's get my phone out and take a fucking selfie. Like, you know, you're, you're a grown millionaire. You're a grown man. You're a millionaire. You're a footballer. Yet your, your immediate concern is getting likes and favourites on Twitter. You should be leaving that to plebs like me that lead penniless, miserable existences, you know? Like, come on. Do you remember what AVB said about him last year when he did something similar? Wasn't it, did he take a photo of himself in front of a TV or, or something like that? And Doing the 2-0 or something, wasn't something it? Something like that. And he did something on a piano as well where he, he played the Saints and Marching It or what have you. And AVB said, what was it, that he was entitled to his opinion but it lacked a bit of respect from a professional but it, the best bit about it was that he said if it was coming from an Arsenal fan, it'd, it'd be slightly more tor- tolerable. But given that it was from a, a player who's probably passing through and wouldn't be there for life, yeah, it's, um, it doesn't come from the heart, which kind of like just slapped him down without being, you know, too explicit about it. That's what I love, um, loved, I should say, about old Andre. Which yeah, we won't go into too much more because we get in trouble. We get in trouble if we say we liked uh, Andre Villas Boas. Biggest mistake of the season, but um, sacking him that is. But uh, let's uh, let's let's move onwards and upwards because surely we can't lose again in the league, can we? Um, but maybe we will. So uh, we're going to talk to our our chum. Um, welcoming back to the show, Steve Grant from Saints Web. <laughs> so yeah, welcome back to Rule the Roost, Steve. How, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, it's been a been an interesting season so far, isn't it? I think I, I can imagine it's because uh, you were what is it? You were at one point challenging for a Champions League spot, and now kind of just you know, would you say settling into a, a, a realistic placing, or are you slightly disappointed with how it's turned out? Um, a little bit of both, really. Um, I mean, I think realistically, in our heart of hearts, non- eighth and ninth was was a was where we were realistically always going to finish. Um, but there was no reason why we couldn't have done uh, done something in one of the cup competitions. And, I mean, it was bitterly disappointing that we pretty much threw our, threw our place in the FA Cup. And um, Was it Sunderland that you went out to? Yeah. Uh, yeah, went out to them in both, in both cups, which is particularly disappointing. Uh, we played them four times this season and not beaten them. And they're absolutely terrible. Um, so, so yeah, very, very frustrating, especially it. the way the draw panned out. You heavily rotated in both of the cup games as well, didn't you? Yes, yeah. I mean, the League Cup one particularly. Um, uh, I mean, the the side we put out was. I mean, what if you could only really describe it as a as a reserve side? I think we had, I think only three of our sort of even semi regular first teamers. Um, but the, I mean, the FA Cup one, we only made six changes. Um, where Sunderland made nine, and yet we and yet we were the ones that looked looked like um, sort of made it look like we were um, 
sort of completely disjointed unit. It's um, yeah, very frustrating. I mean, how much do you think the the stuff off the field has 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 affected your season, if at all? Um, not at all, actually. Um, I actually think, in a perverse way, it's actually helped because it, I mean, particularly when it all kicked off, that was around the time where we'd had our sort of run of bad form, um, sort of coinciding with. Um, a load of key injuries and playing against all the better teams. Um, and then all of a sudden, all the off-field stuff kicks off, Cortese leaves and um, everyone's talk- everyone's claiming clubs in meltdown. And then we go on an eight-game eight unbeaten run after that. I mean, uh, just just for anyone unaware, could you just in a nutshell give give us an idea of what has actually happened at the club and you know where it stood before and where it stands now? And kind of like explain the the structure of it as well, because I think some people are, you know, it's confusing the, the manner that somebody's daughter has now been parachuted into to be running the company and and what have you, and that you're trying to put someone in to fill the void and what have you. So I think that's that's probably the murkier end of it as well. Yeah, I mean, basically the. I mean, the club's been owned by the estate of Marcus Liebherr, who died um, three years ago now. Um, and basically, uh, his daughter, Katharina, um, has basically been in, in control of that estate. Um, so she, she's always been the sort of de facto owner as such. Um, but the contract that Nicola Cortese had with Marcus and the club was basically one which granted him more or less full control over over everything. Um, but that um, that contract uh, expired in the summer last year, and he was um, given a new one eventually um, on more or less the same terms. But I think um, the idea was to try and rein him in a little bit because, as you've probably seen in, in various media outlets, he rubbed people up the wrong way. Um, and they were there were a lot of things that went on that weren't to everybody's liking, um, particularly the sort of control of how money was spent. Every, things seemed to be so liberal. Um, basically, money would be pissed away on on all sorts of stuff. I mean, we had we signed last January. We signed a player called Vegard Foran, a, a Norwegian centre back uh, from Molde for four million quid, um, which happened at the same on the same day as. Um, Atkins was sacked and Pochettino came in and um, he didn't play a single minute for the club and we basically gave him back to Mulder for um, for half a million quid in the summer. Um, so there's that sort of wastage has been going on and Liebherr has wanted to put a rein on it because at the end of the day it's it's effectively her money now. Um, shock horror, somebody who somebody wants wants a little bit more control over how, how her own money is spent. And this is one one of the things that um, the press seemed to either willfully ignore or just didn't know um, that it wasn't Cortese wasn't the owner and never has been. Um, he's been a paid employee for um, four years or so, and she felt that um, that he was basically taking the piss to an extent. Um, so yeah, got rid got rid of him. They had a, they had a falling out over for whatever reason, presumably over the amount of control he didn't he didn't want to cede control. Um but at the end of the day she's the one calling the shots. So um so out he goes. And I mean these media articles that were claiming that everybody was going to leave within a within like a week, everybody wanted to go. Um strangely enough nobody's left and everybody seems perfectly happy. Because yeah the, the, that was the main talk wasn't it that 
Pochettino had apparently said, it, you know, if this all happens, I'm walking, I'm gone. But here we are. He's still there. So maybe uh, maybe the papers don't always tell the truth. I well, don't know. Yeah. Neil, Neil Ashton from the Daily Mail has been sort of Cortese's um, sort of ringmaster for the last six months or so. Um, and Ashton was the one that had been sort of drip feeding all these um, all these uh, sort of rumours that people were going to leave and it was going to be absolute carnage. And, and oh, he's that. he's an abysmal wanker, that man. Oh, he yeah, really absolutely. is. Yeah. Well, he's he's the one that um, that got the guy at Chelsea banned over that Wigan dossier. He's he's one of the main protagonists of getting AVB sacked. To be honest, from the media well, side of you as well. Man. It was it was weird because it was him and Samuel were kind of both on the sort of anti-AVB um, bandwagon. They were then... the Daily Mail and AVBs are foreign national, so what do you expect? Yeah, well, that's, yeah. that's one, that's one uh, certainly one angle. And um, but the weird thing was that after Cortese had gone, you had um, Ashton obviously still peddling the same. Oh, Cortese's this sort of great thing, and Southampton's going to fall to bits without him. And like within a couple of days, Martin Samuel did his column. And he basically took the complete opposite view. So you got the two big cheeses on the Daily Mail sports desk, um, basically saying the complete opposite. Lovers tiff, lovers tiff. Yeah, well, they, I mean, by all accounts, they don't get on, um, which is hardly surprising when um, Ashton's stealing a living and um, Samuel's on on a seven hundred and fifty grand salary. It's all right, isn't it? If you could get it. Um... We'll, uh, well, we'll go on to a few of our list of questions, Steve, as well, because um, they they can pretty much ask better questions than we're, we're capable of. Uh, we've had one from uh, Dula Ali, um, who is at eight, or, or Hussein. I don't know how to, how to say that. Basically, his, his Twitter handle is at A-W-H-O-S-A-N-E. Um, and he says, could you please compare the prospect of Luke Shaw to that of Gareth Bale. So I, I, I guess how he's coping with the Premiership and so on. Well, Shaw's taken, taken to the top flight like a duck to water. It's, been, it, it's genuinely terrifying how composed he is for someone so young stepping into that situation, particularly if you bear in mind the, uh, the sort of quality of the defence he joined um, when he made his first league start back in October of last season when we were shipping like three, three, four goals a game. Um, and I mean, he's been, he's been outstanding. Um, it's difficult to compare with what Bale was like at the same, same age, because they were playing at a different level. Bale was in the championship. Um, admittedly, a, a team that was, that was doing well in the championship. We got to the playoffs um, when he was there and he was one of the key players in that. Um, but I guess they're, they're both very, very similar in the, I mean, obviously same same position at that stage. Obviously, Bale's since moved further, pushed further forward. Um, I would say that Shaw's got Shaw's certainly got the, um, I mean, the mentality on him is is probably the, his biggest asset. He's so so calm and composed, and seems seems so mature for a player um, for a player of his age. That nothing seems to phase him. Um, I mean, all these links where he's, you know, he's been linked with all the top clubs in, in this country already. Chelsea um, bound seems to be the big one, doesn't? Because he's a Kingston yeah, I mean, lad, that, and that seemed the most likely. He's a Chelsea fan. He grew up in Kingston. Um, so yeah, that I mean, that would certainly be the most likely destination. But I can't. I I would be very surprised if he went this summer. 
Um, just from from what I hear, I think he and his family are very sort of grateful to um, to Saints because Shaw was bombed out from both Arsenal and um, and Chelsea at a very young age. And there's no way that a player of his size would have come through um, Chelsea's youth academy and got through got into the first team. Um, so I think there is a there is a deal of gratitude from from him and his family that Saints stuck by him and picked him up and, and nurtured him through to what what he's become now. Would uh, you uh, would you like yeah, to see him go yeah. to the World Cup? I think he's got every chance. Um, I mean it's it's I mean you could you could toss a coin as to what Hodgson's going to do with that because I mean I I, I mean I, I wouldn't wouldn't have any complaints if Hodgson decided no we'll. We'll, we'll leave it until the Euros because, I mean, realistically, Cole's, Cole's going to be finished in international football after the World Cup. But I wouldn't wouldn't have have an argument if if Hodgson picked either Cole or or Shaw for that. I mean, realistically, both of them are going to be the um, are going to be the backup left back behind Baines. I would imagine. What about you, Raji boy? Would you take Would you take have a punt on Luke Shaw taking to the World Cup? I'd take him to the World Cup. I thought you were going to ask him if you if I was going to buy him for Tottenham then, but. Oh, good, yeah. good dream on, mate. <laughs> I, I wouldn't actually buy him. I'd, I'd buy Ben Davies from Swansea's, but that's that's by the by. Um, uh, yeah, he should definitely go to the World Cup. Um, I think uh, I think this World Cup's a write-off in terms of trying to win it, and I think that probably goes for the next few tournaments. And um, my 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 outlook on the English national side, just to divert from club football for a second, is I'd. I'd I'm one of those people that wouldn't take anyone who I don't think would be playing in the next tournament, and I'd be taking the the scalp off some of the um, some of the more uh, older players, and I'd be um, I'd be throwing it down to the youth players that um, that are likely going to be taking the nation forward. So I'd, I'd definitely be taking him. Um, I'm not sure if I'd be playing him over Leighton Baines just as yet, but he, um, having tournament experience in terms of what it's going to be like when you're there, and it's not going to be any more hectic than anywhere else in Brazil. So. He's going to. Um, it'll be a good learning curve for him. Um, all right. Well, we've got a, we've got another one here as well. For Steve, I'm from Callum Callum Haynes. I, I seem to have such a trouble with uh, reading people's names off of I think the screen. It's just but reading in general that you have. There we go. I'm, I'm a very proficient reader. I'm good at words and things. Um, at Callum Haynes says, when you see Bale, Walcott, and the Ox move to bigger clubs, does it make you feel proud? Or does it actually make you feel angry that these players were sold? It makes me feel angry that you called him the ox. <laughs> That's what it says in the tweet. Ooh, verbatim. Change it then. Verbatim. Yeah, we're not. It's a bit of both, I would say. Um, and you have to obviously consider the the situation the club was in when those sales were made. We were um, well for all of them. We were we were in the championship, so we weren't in good bargaining positions, and yet we managed to squeeze. Sort of significant money out of um, both Arsenal and Spurs for um, in terms of fees at that time. Um, I mean, obviously you'd you'd want them to stay and and develop sort of within sort of at at the club where it all started. But it's it's not when you're in the second division. You've you've got no you've got no real bargaining position other than being able to um, get as um, squeeze as much money out of uh, out of the buying club as possible. Um, but now the now the position we're in is is a lot stronger. We're able to um, sort of keep our players and offer them uh, better deals. Um, obviously, first team Premier League guaranteed first team Premier League football, uh, relatively decent um, decent playing standard. So we're we're in a much better position to be able to keep the likes of 
um, Shaw, Schneidlin. Um, I mean, even Gallagher's probably going to um, start getting a little bit of interest if he gets a few more, few more games and a few more goals under his belt. Not to forget uh, Jerry Rodriguez. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's not one that we've produced. Burnley, like um, but um, is he? I did not know yeah, that. I didn't heard him talk. <clears throat> no, no, I didn't know. We got, we got him from Burnley um, when we got promoted. We paid, I think, six, uh, six million quid for him. Christ, I did know that. That's, that's appalling. Yeah, no, no, I know this now. Yeah, yeah. so because yeah. he, he scored against us for Burnley, didn't he? And that. When they ran as really close that yeah. time, Pavlyuchenko had to score. Yeah, with the, uh, the the, the um, League Cup's ridiculous rule of giving you an extra half an hour to get an away goal. Yeah, yeah he Robbie ran Blake as absolutely scored. ragged that game. Yeah, Robbie Blake scored a um, free kick in that one, a really good one. We had notorious gang rapist uh, Ben Anik in goal. Um, that's <laughs> alleged, alleged, alleged. <coughs> Although there's videos of it on the internet, if you're that interested, just if you like Google Ben Anik video, then you'll probably find it. <laughs> Um, but you know we've, I think, uh, best ask you another question. Um, I think we've had one in from uh, Sean Connolly, not Connery. Sean Connolly um, at Sean C Five. He says, um, "Do you enjoy what's happened at Portsmouth, or would you rather be competing alongside him in the Premier League?" Um, well, I, I, I love the I love the games against them. The sort of the atmosphere, the build up to it all. Um, but at the end of the day, they they spunked so much money on absolute dirt. Um, basically, bought the FA Cup with a squad of players they clearly couldn't afford, um, and then decided not to pay any of the money back. So the the level of sympathy I've got for them is quite quite sort of thin, to be honest. Um, I, I do think the whole it's it's always been a sort of case of you reap what you sow. They laughed at us when we went into administration back in 2009. Um, and yet everybody could see that um, the Portsmouth model was a, was a house of cards waiting to fall in. And so I guess from that perspective, it's been, um, well, probably an ongoing case of um, Schadenfreude because there's, I mean, I, I don't think they've bottomed out just yet. Um, there's still, still a significant chance they could actually drop one level further, which I mean that would just be incredible if that if they were to go go non-league because they'll be playing against because um, they'd be playing against Eastley next season. <laughs> Isn't that like a suburb of Southampton? Eastley? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eastley's where Eastley's where Southampton Airport is. It sounds like something where someone's grand lives. You know, are we going to go visit my gran in Eastley? Yeah, so uh, it sounds like that kind of a place. Um, we we got another one here as well from um matt worthy at not so worthy um who says your youth academy is one of the best in the premier league uh, i'd add on to that probably the country um who will we see coming up into the premier league in the next kind of three years um i think i mean sam gallagher's obviously started to make his breakthrough um this season but beyond that i would say ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, we've got another left back coming through, Matt Target, who's uh, very highly rated. He's um, uh, getting getting regular games for uh, left back for the England under 19s. Just, just quick. I was just going to say, just quickly on the on Callum Chambers. Yeah, is do you, do you reckon he's better than Klein? There's there's so little to choose from. Um, I think Klein is much better in terms of the system that we play because he he gets forward a lot a lot more. He's got a little bit more pace, a little bit more confidence in terms of um, the sort of almost playing as a winger that you need for the for our system to work. Um, but I'd say that Chambers is probably probably the better defender. Um, so, I mean, Klein, Klein's been back in for the last couple of games. Um, but it, it does does genuinely seem as if we're um, basically rotating the two of them. There's no, there's nothing nothing to choose between the two of them, which is, which is a shame for Klein in a way, because if he'd been able to nail down his, nail down his uh, starting place for the whole season, he'd probably be on the plane to the World Cup. Is he a youth product as well, Nathaniel Klein? No, we bought him. We got him from Palace. All oh, right. So, do you just is he a recent purchase then? When you came up, uh, we got him when um, when we came up because oh, right. uh, he was he was out of contract there. I think we paid. I think uh, by tribunal we paid about one and a half two million for him because they were pretty gutted, weren't they? To have lost him. I think he's not too popular there as well now because he was uh, kind of one of their uh, their their better players. Um, yeah, he was. Um, it's it's a difficult one because at the time when um, when he left, they'd obviously only just come out of administration. They were in all sorts of bother, and they weren't in a position to be able to offer him a new contract. Um, so I don't think don't think either he or he or the club were to blame for that situation as such. They just they couldn't do an awful lot about it. Um, so I guess from their perspective, it was unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, their problem is our is our game. Yeah, we've been asked a, another question about um, one of your more prominent players, captain as well, in the Adam Lallana, mm. um, by Jared Smith. I'm not even a J Red Smithy, I think his Twitter name is. If you're interested, um, he says, "Do you want Lallana to go and play out of his skin at the World Cup, even if it means that you're more likely to sell him?" Um, yeah, I'd be perfectly happy for him to put in great performances. Um, I mean, I've, I've not going to Brazil, but I, I do um, go to England England games home the way, so it's in my in my interest as well for him for him to do well. I, I don't I genuinely don't think he'll be going anywhere anytime soon. Um, I mean, one of the main reasons for that is that Bournemouth have got a massive like thirty percent sell on clause on him, um, so any any fee we get um, would have to be significantly higher. Um, so I, was, I was saying the other day that I. I Absolutely love to have him at Spurs, Adam Milano, as I'm sure a lot of clubs would like to have him there. You but got that, didn't you, Jack? 
Well, yeah, a few Southampton fans actually they called me a moron and things like that. I wasn't saying, like, we'll come and punch this player. I literally just said I'd, qu- I'd quite like to have Adam Lallana. But I think Southampton would want upwards of 20 mil for him now, which... And, and the rest, I would say. You reckon? Yeah. Um, well, him and, um, he and Rodriguez are so key to the way that we play now. Um, I mean, Rodriguez has, has basically been forced to play every single game this season, even in, even the the League Cup games where we've um, sent out second string sides. He's played because we don't have another player who's like him because um, he's the sort of direct running. And Lallana's very similar in that we don't have another player who can hold possession as well as he can. Um, his his control in in sort of tight spaces is. Genu- I genuinely think is sort of unique for for an English player at the moment, um, and he's he's the sort of player that that England arguably should be building a team around. I'd agree with you there, mate. I think he's I think he's a very very talented footballer. I think he does, like you say, I think he brings something that not a lot of English players can do um, to the game. I mean, he he certainly showed it when he came on in the uh, in Denmark. the England game the other day. Yeah, so. In the short, the short space of time he had, he was he was decent. But Jay Rodriguez as well. I know we did talk about him earlier. He's uh, I didn't realise he scored quite as many Premier League goals as he has this year. I mean, it's not out of this world, but still, twelve Premier League goals is a decent return. Yes, yeah. second highest scoring Englishman. He's arguably got to be staking a staking a claim for the World Cup squad. Yeah, I mean, Rodriguez's problem is that when he obviously did get his chance for England in that um, Chile game, he didn't really do an awful lot. But then neither did any of the other players that played played that night, um, <laughs> which is um, it's unfortunate, really, that he's he's kind of tied by that tied by that one forty five minutes. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you say, he's second highest scoring Englishman behind Sturridge, um, and he offers the option of being able to play wide. He's um, um, got got plenty of plenty of pace. I don't I don't think I've seen a seen a player who um, who is as confident and as quick at running di- dribbling directly with the ball. Literally, he'll pick up the ball and he'll run in a direction, and defenders just won't be able to catch him. He'll he'll throw him throw him off every time. Um, I mean, even even someone like Walcott, who's obviously got blistering pace, and even and someone like Lennon as well. They've got the out and out pace, but they're not they're not that quick at um when they've actually got the ball at their feet. Whereas Rodriguez will just run with the ball and you and defenders just don't seem to know how to deal with it. Well, there we go. Um What was I going to say now? Yeah, so this the the game that we have coming up, <laughs> which is you know, why we are talking tonight, Steve. Um how how can you see yourself approaching it i mean are you, are you just going to come at us you know because we uh we haven't we're not in the best form at the moment um and although we did we did beat you away i do have to chuck that in um in in tim's honeymoon period yeah. we still haven't looked that convincing recently do you could do you, do you see us as... convincing when we beat them that was there. to be that, fair no we that didn't was not, that was an odd game back in december wasn't it because i mean I, th- I thought for probably the first hour we were well on top, um, but we just completely disintegrated at the back, mainly thanks to Jos Hoyvelt. Um But um, yeah, I mean, the last half hour, you you kind of run us ran us ragged a little bit. But it's it's difficult to know how we're gonna how we're gonna set up 
because we've got a problem at the moment in that both Victor Wanyama and Jack Cork are injured, which means that our sort of midfield um, midfield strength is weakened significantly. Um, I mean, even though we largely battered Norwich on, on Saturday, that was more because they're so bad than because we were particularly good. We still lost um, And it... Yeah, our, our problem our problem Sunday is going to be whether we've got the strength in the middle of the in the middle of the park, because if if either of those two were playing, I'd be I'd be very confident. Um, but if James Ward Prowse has to has to go in there, he's a little bit more lightweight. I mean, he's he's a very promising player, but he I think he needs to bulk up a little bit more. Um, I think he's in a similar mould to uh, Tommy Carroll, who we've got out on loan at uh, at QPR at the moment. That kind of diminutive, metronomic. Yeah. I, I seem to always describe footballers as metronomic. <laughs> I think it's just because it's a big word. I like to make myself sound clever. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, that, that kind of playmaker, isn't he? He's, uh, yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he's, his set-piece delivery is outstanding. But I don't think you can have a player in the side just on the strength of his set-piece taking. Um, and... Yeah, it's, I, I would ima- I would imagine he'll, he'll probably get another chance on on Sunday on the basis that, as I say, Wanyama and Cork are both injured, and Gaston Ramirez picked up a knock again on on Saturday as well. So we're looking a little bit sort of light on light on numbers. Um, so I think the team probably is going to pick itself. Um, but in terms of style, I, I don't see any reason why we'll change how we've played against how we've lined up against every every other side. Um, I mean, you would imagine that that's, that um, your guys are going to be a little bit tired if if they've had a, I mean, particularly if they manage to. Um, I, mean, I don't. I suspect you probably won't be if, if you do manage to um, turn the tie around and maybe take it to extra time. Then I mean, they're going to be absolutely exhausted. We won't invite you on here for comedy, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, I, do. I, I, we do know. Realistically, I would, I would think um, you're probably going out, but it's it's still a 90 minute game you got to play on Thursday. It's true. Um, so yeah, I mean, who knows? But I mean, if if tactics Tim has another of his uh, of his tantrums, and um, then uh, I mean, who, who knows what will happen? Oh dear God! Um, who, aside from the obvious, like Lalana, is is there anyone in particular that we should be? looking out for um, anyone who's played particularly well in the last few games or perhaps rises to these bigger occasions. Well, Stephen, Davis, a bigger... Stephen Davis has probably been our best player overall in the last um, six to eight weeks or so. Um, Cause he's, he's a very good link sort of link between the, the sort of holding midfielders that we've, that we've had who kind of break the play up and the, um, the, the attack minded ones like Lalana and, and Rodriguez, he kind of plays. Um, he's almost your sort of um, stereotypical box-to-box midfielder, um, without having that sort of engine that um, the sort of Gerard-esque um, bursts of, bursts into the into the box. He's more. He's much more refined than that. Um, but he's been he's been crucial to the way we've um, we've kind of recovered a bit of form since the new year. And uh, have you got any predictions on the score at all, mate? Um, well, I mean, we've got. A, I would imagine we'll um, we'll be a lot more careful than we were on um, on Saturday against Norwich. We were we woefully took our eye off the ball at times in that game. 
problem was that Norwich was so bad that um, we knew that we could get away with uh, being that lax. And um, we almost uh, almost somehow managed to gift them away back into the game um, when realistically we should have won by five or six. But I'd imagine we'll be a li- we'll, the concentration will be a lot higher, but we can't afford any um, any slips. I mean, I, I only caught bits of um, bits of the Arsenal game on Sunday, but I mean, if you create even the sort of half chances that that you created, um, I would imagine that you the players like Adebayor would take the chances against us, whereas they may not against a better defence like Arsenal's. You'd like to think that, but it's I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's but yeah. I mean, it's a complete lottery. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect it to be particularly high scoring. Your games haven't been all season, um, so probably, a, probably a one nil or a one nil either way or a one draw would be, would be where where my money was going if I was going to. But to be honest, I'd, I'll steer well clear of it. I think on the betting front because it's just just too difficult to call. What about you, Roger? What do you think, mate? Because uh, again, you know for. For whatever Steve's saying there about kind of maybe potential defensive frailty, they're a very well-drilled outfit and very well-organised Southampton, whereas we are not. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be an open game. Um, I think it's going to be much more open than this time last season when you came to ours. And it, um, oh, it's a bloody awful game, that one. They took Gareth Bale to score a screamer for us to uh, to win that one. So mm. that, that's not obviously not going to happen again this time. But... Um, I think there's going to be a fair few goals in it. I imagine it'll be one or two, one to to one of them. Uh, picking which one, as you say, is difficult. Um, given our runner form at the moment, and given how just how bad Benf- Benfica is midweek, it um, it, it I think if we, if we get hammered again by Benfica, then I think heads could drop off. I think we might be might be in for another shoeing. But um, if not, and hopefully we'd uh, we'd respond. So um, I, I think it's going to. I think there'll be goals in it, but he, I can't. I can't say either way. I, I think I'll be. I'll say one all to be safe, but um, I'm not. I'm not convinced either way. I would imagine the smart money's going your going your way, just on the basis that our record against the against the other teams in the top eight is abysmal. Um, uh, somehow it's even worse than Man United's record against the same teams. So. Um, yeah, I would. Um, I wouldn't. Wouldn't necessarily. Uh, certainly, wouldn't say we're favourites by any means. Given the way that we're both kind of approaching the game, then the fact that we're, neither of us are entirely confident that it's probably subjective of the way both teams are feeling about it. So I imagine that probably feeds into a draw more than anything else, doesn't it? And if neither team, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd be quite confident. Quite happy with the draw, to be honest. Um, I mean, it's a it's a ground we've not had much success at over the years, so anything's a bonus, really. All right. Well. Thank you very much for joining us, Steve, and uh, let's hope we do beat you. <laughs> so I can, to be honest, I don't really care. Our season's over, so I do care. I always care. I always want Tottenham to win. Um, but yeah, good luck for the rest of the season, mate, and uh, hopefully we'll buy Adam Lallana from you in the summer. <laughs> yeah. I hope, hope Levy's uh, loosening, the, uh, loosening the purse strings um, as we speak then. Maybe we'll give, we can give you Eric Lamella for him if you want. <laughs> no. no. All right, there you go. <laughs> They've already bought one failure player from Roma, so they don't want another. That's true. Oh, yeah, we didn't even talk about that. Pablo Osvaldo, but he's, he sounds the, the horrible. Men, the mentalist, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mentalist. Somehow we're going to make a profit on him. 
Really? Well, we've we've got an, we've got a deal agreed with Juventus that if if they want him, then they'll pay us two million euros more than we paid for him, paid for him in the first place. That's all right, isn't it? Which is quite impressive. Did we just get... need you to agree to agree to um, take him now. He did score a really good goal for you and do that weird machine gun celebration. Well, he stole Batistuta's celebration, didn't he? So yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he did that. But uh... and he did that massive mark on Jose Fonte's face as well. Yes. <laughs> do, you, do you have any? Is there any kind of in the know or anything as to what that was actually about? What happened at all, or is it just a... well? Basically, I mean, the, the bloke is just absolutely batshit mental. Um, and what it was, I mean, um, Font is a is a sort of niggly little defender. He'll sort of do all those little um, little shirt pulls off off the ball, pull your hair, and that sort of thing. And I think he um, he by all accounts he went in a little bit late in a tackle in training. Um, and Osvaldo just just um, obviously didn't like it and, react, and reacted. Um, bit bit John Hartson and Al Berkovich. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and yeah, I mean Os- Osvaldo's probably about as well liked as Al Berkovich was as well. Because wasn't it? So I think like the papers were saying that after after that, the players were unanimous in saying they wanted him gone from the club, weren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, one when the when Saints put the statement up on the website that he'd been suspended, um, I mean, Luke Shaw, for one, was on Twitter and he just posted one of those um, uh, sort of iPhone uh, emoticon things on, on Twitter of, of like a round of applause. So it was, um, it was pretty obvious where, where the, uh, the squad's loyalties lie. Well, that's that. And the, the rest is history. Now he just has to play for Juventus, poor bastard. Yeah, well, he's, he's been. They've generally been uh, giving him a start in the Europa League games, and he's he's done right. Scored scored a few goals for him, um, but he actually got a start last night in their league game because Tevez has been injured. Um, had two perfectly good goals disallowed, which was um, disappointing. He, he played played all right, but it's. I mean, they've they've got they've got an embarrassment of riches, really. Yeah, so especially, it's case. With, especially with how weird Valanda Yolante is playing at the minute as well. It's yeah. It's yeah, they've, they've got. Yeah, they've got good options, but then I mean, if you if you're fighting on multiple uh, multiple fronts, then you need strength in depth, and he certainly gives them that. Um, certainly better than what they had last year with Nicholas Bentner. Yeah, completely. I mean, I think they're going to be selling their other forwards like Quagliarella as well. So. Yeah, I mean, we we were linked with Quagliarella a couple of weeks ago, which I thought was a bit weird because he just completely doesn't fit into our system at all. I think that's just paper, uh, papers. Um, putting two and two together and coming up with five hundred. Probably Quagliarella's agent trying to get him a move in the summer. Yeah, well, we had that with um, uh, Diego, um, the guy who was at uh, Wolfsburg, Wolfsburg and ended up back at Atletico Madrid. Um, basically, he uh, Diego was actually quoted as saying, "Yeah, I want to go to Southampton." It's like, well, hang on, we've shown absolutely no interest in him, um, <laughs> and, he, and he's another mentalist. He is, he's an absolute mentalist. He's he's fantastic. He thinks far too much of himself. He's a fantastic footballer, um, really good playmaker. But uh, yeah, he's 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 uh, he's of that mould where uh, he's a bit. He's got a couple of screw looses. Mm. So yeah. it's, it's, it seems like, uh, as is the story of my life, I was pretty premature on uh, calling the end of this. But uh, yeah, there we go. But uh, I will bid you farewell now, Steve. Anyway, but uh, thank you for thank you for giving us the time this evening, and uh, yeah, good luck for the rest of the season, mate. Cheers, and you.
Yeah, thank you very much again to Steve from Saints Web for joining us. Um, and we're going to go straight into our next guest. Um, well, we're not going to go straight into him, literally, <laughs> but we'll go straight to talking to Alfredo once again from Talking to the Doll. How are you doing, mate? What's going on, guys? Doing good. How about you guys? Yeah, we're, we're as, as good as we can be after a, after a 3-1 home defeat and then losing 1-0 to our biggest rivals on the weekend as well. Uh, how are you feeling, Raj? Yeah, it's uh, it's not great. Um, I mean, you were, I think you were slightly surprised last week, Alfredo, by just how negative we were about how we were going to fare in that match. And I think you you probably got more of an idea of just about where we're at now, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, after reading about Tottenham uh, and, and Tim Sherwood and, and all the talent that you have at your disposal, I'll be some of them hurt that you guys should be better and and your 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 pessimism is absolutely understandable i mean we we just uh in terms of on the night were you surprised with how easy it was for you really um i i didn't th- i didn't think it was that easy i just think that we've been playing the same type of of just that possession controlling game then we chances we we went at it I didn't think that we over-dominated the game. I did. We did play a little better than, than Tottenham. I don't think that overall, I don't think it was that much of a dominance. A lot of them, even from myself, was we just meet our class. We never really got uncomfortable at all. Um, I mean, your defence was particularly brilliant, I thought. Um, and every time you countered, you looked so dangerous. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's the whole point. That's the way the, the team has been playing this year, is that they have that controlling style of football, almost like a cantinaccio. And then when we go on the attack in the transitions on the counter, we do that very fast and quickly. And, and two, three passes, and the ball is in the final third. And that's uh, like uh, uh, the DNA of this team almost during this year, during this season. Just how much what, did you, what did you um, make of it, Raj? What I wanted to know is just how much they'd rotated because um, they, they did control the game for large periods. And if there was two or three big players missing for them, I mean, that, that makes it slightly worse for us because it was, it was pretty much one of, our, one of our strongest teams we could have selected. Yeah, well, well Enzo Perez was missing and uh, I thought you guys too. I actually told you guys to keep an eye out on him, and he didn't really play. He's really that that metronome, uh, as you guys called it, uh, of this team. And he he came in um, in the 65th minute, but he he's one of the main guys on this team. Uh, Maxi is also plays right back. is also a, a very good player for us. He he also didn't play. Um, Gaetan. Uh, was also out of the lineup. He came in in the 65th minute uh, with uh, Enzo. So, I mean, those guys, especially Enzo and Gaetan, those two Argentinian guys, those those guys are killers. I mean, what, what are your thoughts going into the next, uh, well, not into the next round yet, but into the next leg? Um, and then I mean, into the next you, round. Yeah, and then into the next round. But can you see yourself resting more players now you do have a substantial lead on us? Um, to be honest with you, I don't think it's going to be that easy. Um, I think that uh, that Tottenham felt humiliated by the results. They felt they could have done a lot better. They didn't think 
They, uh, you know, from from listening and from reading guys talking about the game, uh, it, it really looks like that uh, Tottenham is not done and they're going to give us a hard fight. So I don't expect this to be easy at all, regardless of the lead. So we'll just see. I think that uh, this team is trying to turn it around. I mean, Tottenham. But I don't think it's going to be that easy. I know you guys are negative about it, but I don't think it's going to be that easy. I've got to say, man, I think it's... I honestly do. <laughs> Negativity aside, I think it's an old Tottenham you're thinking of because I I don't see personally where the fight is going to come from on our team. It's, it's arguably what we've missed all season is that ability to dig deep and kind of pull a result when our backs are to the wall. Um, it just seems to be whether it's a lack of ability in our playing stuff, which I struggle to believe, um, or whether it's just a, a mental issue, be that coaches not getting as properly motivated or the players themselves not really having that drive or desire. It, from where I'm sitting, I, I see it as just a lost cause. Um, I mean, if if we if we're to look at the game that we just played in a in a little bit more detail, like Rodrigo's finish, the the counter attack and finish was absolutely sublime. It was a it was a it was a joy to behold. Not so much as a Tottenham fan, but as a footballing fan, it was yeah. uh, it was a great little finish. I mean, has he been pulling that out quite a lot for you this season, Rodrigo? That that kind of decent play. Is he, he are you? Is he synonymous with doing that for you, or is that you know did, did that surprise you at all? Yeah, Rodrigo actually came to Benfica about a, a couple of years ago, and at the time he was given some playing time next to Cardozo, and it really seemed that he was just about to blow up. Uh, and then uh, uh, in the Champions League fixture against uh, Zenit, I believe, um, Bruno Alves, who, who used to play for Porto, one of our rivals, as you guys know, had a very, very hard tackle on Rodrigo in the midfield, and Rodrigo had to come out as a result of an injury. And he was never the same after that. Couldn't get his confidence back. Always seemed to be lacking something. And this year, he really, really seems to be hitting stride. Of course, he's already been sold. Benfica sold him to a fund in the winter break, so now it it almost seems like a, a, you know not such a great deal for us. But we're still getting, I think, uh, $20 million for him. Or thirty million for him, so it wasn't bad. It's it's, uh, it's interesting because he was he was someone that I was looking at this summer as a potential striking well striker candidate for Tottenham because um, obviously he he'd come from well come up through Real Madrid and then actually had that little loan spell in the Premier League before with Bolton Wanderers. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it, would he be someone that you would be sad to see go though? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, like I said, he's been absolutely crucial. And, and when we thought uh, we had a little bit, uh, a bit of an issue with Cardozo in the beginning of the season, as last season, as our, our season was falling apart, uh, the very last game of the season, which was the Portuguese Cup final, Cardozo and uh, Jesus actually had a, a, a spat with each other where Cardozo pushed Jesus, and we didn't really know what the future held for Cardozo going into this new season. And a lot was expected from Lima and Rodrigo. Uh, of course, that the whole thing blew over. They ended up forgiving Cardozo. But the Rodrigo has really been our number one striker because Lima, I don't know exactly what happened to Lima, but he went down in form, and Rodrigo has been the guy that's been getting us uh, all the goals. And, and an example... 
It's just what the, what you guys saw this past Thursday. I was going to say, and speaking of fallouts with, uh, <laughs> with Jesus, uh, we, we saw one of those ourselves with our own Tim Sherwood. Um, I saw at the time you tweeted, you, you weren't overly impressed with, with your manager and his, his, his finger-wagging. Um, is, no, is, uh, is he that, is, is, I take it he's that type of character then, is he? Well, yeah, I mean... For one, you know, let me. I guess I'll just give you a little background on on Jesus. Uh, Jesus is is somebody that comes from uh, Amadora, and Amadora is a suburb, a rough suburb, if I if I could call it that, of Lisbon. And somebody said on Twitter, uh, you could take uh, Jesus out of the street, but you can't take the streets out of Jesus. So that's exactly <laughs> what happened there. Um, as a as a Benfiquista, as a as a fan and supporter of the club. I wasn't impressed because that's not what the values uh, of the club uh, represent. Th- that type of behavior doesn't reflect, reflect well on the club. Not to mention that after the performance that Befica put out in, in, in uh, London, uh, for our performance to be overshadowed by an un- unreflected act by JJ, and that, would, that completely threw me off. And that's one of the reasons why I think Tottenham is not done yet because they're going to have that finger wagging uh, uh, to look forward to or, or to go against as motivation, uh, as positive motivation for them. So keep an eye on that. Yeah, we will do. Um, we'll go over to a couple of our, our, our list of questions, Alfredo. We've had one from uh, uh, Kate Coggins, who is at Kate Coggins, who just says, are you excited for the next round? <laughs> um, well, I'm trying to contain my excitement because <laughs> I, I, we're really trying to concentrate on winning the league. Uh, we just got three points uh, more from Porto. We're now you twelve two tonight, well, didn't you? Yeah, twelve points from Porto uh, tonight. We were down one nothing. We finished the game four uh, two. Uh, so we, we're, we got still got seven points on Sporting, which uh, on paper is actually eight points. But we're still very cautious after what happened last uh, last season. And the the main thing for Benficistas is winning the league, um, the Europa League. We'll see how far we get. We'll see what the draw will hold if we make it into the next round. Uh, and then we'll, we'll take it from there. We've just got to take it game by game. But the most important thing right now is the league. I think the, um, the scary thing for Benfica fans, I'd imagine, is if, if Tottenham do uh, somehow manage to turn it around, those, those memories of, of last season and the, uh, the, is it the curse of Bella Gutman. They'll, yeah. they'll start um, creeping up again, won't they? I mean, it's football yeah. superstitious. I mean, I imagine yeah. that, that might start a Jenga chain of events for you. I mean, it, it might start creeping in a bit more, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's definitely a fear that every fan has, is that if things start going south towards the end of the of the season, we could have another repeat. You know, and, and, and speaking of Bella Gutman, they actually built a, a, a statue to Bella Gutman uh, on the outside of the stadium, this was put up recently, where Bella Gutman has his arms out and he's holding both of the European uh, Championship Cups in each arm. So they, maybe to get away from from that uh, from that uh, curse that he put on Benfica, so they built him a stadium okay. right out, uh, a, a statue right outside the stadium. If you just um, will explain what the curse is, because there might be a few a few listeners who. Who aren't aware of of Bella Gutman and his managerial career? Essentially, ben, Bella Gutman was like the last generation's version of Jose Mourinho, wasn't he? The way he went around and, and won things everywhere he went, and never stayed anywhere for too long. And 
he, he made a lot of clubs very good when he went and managed there, but he, he has a specific um, a curse that you call it at Benfica, doesn't he? Yeah, well, after Benfica won their second, uh, what is now the Champions League, their, their second title, uh, Bella Gutman put in certain conditions that he wanted, and one of, I guess one of the main conditions was the money, and, and Benfica thought that they were so well, uh, you know, provided with players that they had such talent that they didn't really need Bella Gutman, so they sent them away because they didn't want to pay him more. And that while he was leaving, he said that Benfica won't win another European title for 50 years. And uh, it just stuck with people. It's never really it's never really gone against it, has it? You've, you've not won <laughs> one since. <laughs> yeah, and we have been in a couple finals and we haven't, we haven't won, no. Yeah. I mean, he's he's quite an interesting character, isn't he, Balogunman? He's somebody that, if you're interested in football yes. and and managing yes. and things, he's almost like a, a continental version of of Brian Clough a little bit. If you if you look yeah. for a comparison, so he's someone yeah. that, if you're interested in football, you should probably go and read about. Yeah, but yeah, we've uh, we've we've had a, a question here from Lily White All, um, who's Lily White underscore All, um, and he says. <laughs> Have you ever lost 3-0 at home? Or, um, I think that's kind of a joke, but uh, he says, or if you lose a goal or two, do you ever have a wobble? Um, yeah, anything is possible. I, I don't recall uh, losing that heavy at home uh, in recent memory, but uh, it, it's possible. And, you know, it, it all depends. It all Depends on how, what the team's state of mind is. I think that if the team uh, is in a fragile state of mind and they'll get rattled by by the way the game is going, by allowing a, a couple goals, it, it might rattle the team. But I just think that this year the team is very focused on what they need to do. So you're not because I mean, like for example, Spurs. We often tend to if we get if we leak an early goal, our heads will just go down and we won't really come back into a game at all. Do, do you ever find Benfica have a similar problem? Or no, do you, that, are you you're just a professional out? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think not Not this year. I think that the team has, has definitely had a different approach to, to games. And, for example, tonight's game, we went down one nothing early on. And uh, by the end of the half, we're up 3-1. So it's something that the team believes in it and the talent that they have. And they believe we believe in the individualities that we have that can that can make or break a game. But uh, that's a pretty cool name, Lily Whitehall. Yeah, he's uh, it's us, the, the Lily Whites. So there you go. Um, we've, uh, we've got Sean Connolly is a friend of the show. Um, my friend, he just sends us questions all the time. Thank you, Sean. <laughs> um, at Sean C five. He uh, he says, "Where should I get drunk in Lisbon so I don't have to remember the game?" Uh, pretty much anywhere. You could even get drunk outside the stadium. They have these. Uh, I don't know what you would you guys would refer them to. They're called uh, little caravans, like like an RV or what you would go camping in. And when you open them up, it's like a a, a full service kitchen in oh, there where fun. they make these <laughs> where they, they make like all these. Nice steak that they call bifanish, which is very thin steak in a Portuguese roll. And, uh, I mean, you could pretty much get drunk anywhere in Lisbon, to be honest with you. It and it's, like it's uh, Nando's. 
there's there's not going to be any aggro out there. So there, there's no what what are they like actually the Benfica fans. Do they do they get a bit rowdy or are they, are they okay? Because I know the Porto lads are they're quite a rowdy bunch, aren't they? No, the uh, Benfica fans you really don't have anything to worry about. They they are peace loving fans. The, most of them are logical and logical thinkers. They really don't. Uh, uh, I don't expect any trouble from from Benfica fans. If it was Sporting or Porto, that's a different story. But Benfica fans, I, I never really uh, uh, heard of, of any incidents outside the stadium fans. Sounds a bit like us with West Ham and Chelsea. Two horrible, two horrible sets of fans, those guys. But of course, we're, we're the angels, so no, no, no worries on that side. Um, one here from, uh, from Robert underscore Bennett. Who asks? Uh, do you think Benfica can go on to win the Europa League? I think it it very much depends on the on the what's left in the draw and what opponents we face. Uh, there's a lot of quality still out there. There is. I think Juve is still still in there. Yeah, we got Juve, uh, Napoli if they beat Porto, which I hope they will. Uh, I mean, there's there's quality teams out there. It's, it all depends on how the cards fall once the draw takes place. Benfica Porto final. How would that? How would that strike it? I think it'd be great because it would be favourites. Because with this year, we're just taking a piss out of Porto. <laughs> Ooh, they're, they're it's a horrible feeling. It's that. You, yeah, sorry, mate. I was going to say that those, that's fighting talk. Given that it could happen, that's, that's asking for you to to forget beating in the final by <laughs> Porto now, isn't it? Right. I mean, we we haven't had many years that we've dominated the the Portuguese league like this, and I know it's not over yet, but we've just been head and shoulders above our all our competition this year. So, well, there we go. Um, I, I, yeah, I think you are good. You're you're a very you're a very gracious winner, Alfredo. So thank thank you for sparing us our more <laughs> blushes than our team have already given us, but. Uh, yeah, um, I wouldn't begrudge you going on to win it, mate, if you do beat us. So uh, good luck, and I hope, it, hope it's a good game, mate. Thanks for joining us again. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. It's always good fun. The biggest Tottenham fan you're going to get. Well, I'm an Arsenal fan as a kid. My dad still goes to the Emirates every week. Well, there we go. That was Alfredo. He, he's, he's, he's a very nice man, Alfredo, isn't he? Yeah, he's far too nice to, to be talking to us regularly. I think you, you've got a bit of a man crush on him, haven't you? I've never seen what he looks like whatsoever, but that voice of his uh, melts my heart. It's, it's the Portuguese, the dulcet Portuguese tones, isn't it? It reminds me of ABB slightly. I think it might be slightly, uh, yeah, yeah, just a man crush by association. I think, but it, it seems to be a, a general kind of Portuguese track. I work with a lot of Portuguese guys, and they're all just, you know, very laid back and, very, you know, it's, it's cool. I like it. Um, he's he's a very gracious man, but surely they they're gonna they're gonna dick us, aren't they? Yeah, they were. Um, it's a very um, it's a club Benfica that are uh, very scared of. Uh, I won't say scared of their own shadow because you've seen their uh, the way they're playing football at the moment and their record this season's outstanding. But um, they've got a lot of uh, turmoil in their history, uh, not 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 too dissimilar to us that where they've. Uh, They've missed out on a lot of things. I mean, last season they they lost the league and the cup in the last minute of games, and the Europa League in the last minute as well. And you know, everything went down to the last wire, and everything went against them. They could have won a treble, I think, last season, 
and uh, everything at the very last moment was snatched away from him. And that's the type of thing that Benfica fans are scared of, I think. So if we, if we can play on that, if we can creep on that, and uh, and get up um get up them and get up them early, then uh, there's half a chance. But um, I don't think uh, I don't think it's going to happen, sadly. No, neither do I. Um, and that's that's pretty much the season over, really, isn't it, mate? I mean, people can say, oh, you know, every game's important, this and that, but that's, that's the end of what's a pretty uh, pretty disappointing year for Tottenham Hotspur. But we won't lament on it too much yet. We've got a nice end-of-season pod to... We've still got another few episodes to get through before we can really sort of start tearing into the club. So Another eight or so, and then mm-hmm. we, we'll still be releasing these on a week slowly, each of us just getting more and more depressed and... You know, just talking to people about their clubs as much as possible, pretending that. You looking know. forward to looking forward to the summer holiday, mate. I'm sick of your voice. So, what do you mean? I mean, I love you, um, but we might uh, we might do something for the World Cup or something. Perhaps don't know. Maybe we'll see. But uh, we'll we'll talk about that off air, yeah, shall if, we? If, if Tottenham's not depressing enough, we'll talk about England instead. That'll, <laughs> that'll, that'll get your spirits raised. Well, you can uh, you can listen to all the previous episodes of Rule the Roost on our Buzzsprout website, on SpursStatman.com, and of course on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at RTRSSM. Not forgetting, of course, to follow the boss JP at SpursStatman. Um, you can also go to the SpursStatman website, as I said there, which has a host of interesting, um, very interesting Tottenham themed editorial. We got much going up this week, mate. The usual. Um, I was going to try and write something the usual. About, I was going to try and write something about the derby and things like that, but I just I can't bring myself to even think about it at the minute. It's you know it's it's horrible. Do it, you bastard! You haven't written anything in ages. It's because when I do, it's so good that people expect me to do it so often. That, uh, it, class like that in the written form doesn't make itself. Yaddy, 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 yaddy. Yeah. Um, anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed it. We haven't, so... Go uh, fuck yourselves. <laughs> Gab on you, Spurs. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.